back to the Good Morning Podcast on the Cover Podcast Network. I'm Liam. What an action-packed show for you tonight. Today, whenever you're listening to it, I'm recording it at night. Got Locke, one half of the fifth and dribble podcast on tonight. We're talking NRL, we're talking NBA playoffs. We're talking Canberra, Canberra Raiders, unfortunately. And uh, Nick Kyrgios and a bunch of other stuff gets thrown in there too. But before we do that, got to thank our sponsors. Thank you to thecover.com.au, Cover Podcast Network. Check it out. Get to the website. Sign up for the newsletter. Do what you got to do. Any of that, make sure you do that. There's always good stuff going up on there. My column, Toby's column, plenty of stuff. Plenty of stuff happening. Also, thank you to riverside.fm. If you, if you want to start your own podcast, head to the link on our website. There'll be a link in our bio somewhere on our Instagram, wherever, where you can download the Riverside app, do your remote broadcasts, do your remote interviews, share your screen, do whatever you got to do, make, you know, share PowerPoints and talk to them. You know, it might even, it might even help you with your uni degree. It might help you do some presentations for, for your work, whatever. I highly recommend getting it, but do it through our website. We get a kickback. Riverside's happy. You're happy. We're happy. We get to continue to do what we're going to do. Without further ado, let's just let's just get into get into this week's show. Locke, one half of the Fifth and Dribble podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Liam. Happy to be here, mate. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, been, a, been a, a time coming. I've wanted to have but I want to have both of you on, but you know, Maddie's busy. He's got he's got mm, things to I, do. I think he's got friends outside of me, which I don't really appreciate. <laughs> but you know, he'll hear about it later. That's rough. That's rough. I know. Yeah. Um, how are you anyway? How, how, how's things? How, how are you traveling? I'm good, mate. I'm good. We're firmly into the NRL season and my team is flying. Um, you obviously know I'm talking about the mighty Penrith Panthers <laughs> and, uh, and we're also knee deep in, uh, NBA horrible takes as well. Yeah. I mean, your, your Panthers really did a number on my Raiders and you know what? I was going to save this to later in the podcast, but I guess I want to get it out of the way now. <laughs> I can tell you need to get it off your chest. Yeah, I, I've really been struggling with it. I haven't, I haven't, like I bring, I bring Canberra teams up a lot, but I haven't, I've avoided this topic for, I don't know, what are we, 10, 12 episodes in now. I've avoided it. And since you're here, I think we should just do it. Like, it's one of the, it, like it is, it's one of those things that's really hard. Like Ricky Stewart came in, did a, you know, sold us all on this rebuild and then we got to the grand final and now with virtually the same group of players plus you know some pretty talented youngsters we seem to have just fallen off a cliff and then it puts like it puts the organization and the fan base in this really weird position where you've got Ricky Stewart who is you know one of the one of the best players ever probably you know in the top 2 or 3 conversation of of raiders ever uh did it you know, has had some success as a coach and now, like, what do we do with him? I know, it's tough. And I mean, not many other teams really have it kind of like this where they're bent over the barrel just due to who the coach is. I mean, I think they need to move on sooner rather than later. Like, to me, the big thing is the players don't seem to have bought in. Like, you touched on the 2019 grand final. It's it's basically the same team. A few omissions here and there. Um, change at halfback, but I mean, all the key positions are really still the same outside that. Yeah, and and you know the as you say the key the key players the key leaders 
you know, the, the guys you'd expect to perform week in and week out, they're all still there. You know, I know the Crocus stuff is, it's really unfortunate and it probably has been a bit of a distraction for the group. And then, you know, losing Fogarty and losing Hodgson doesn't help. But like, I think Schneider's been doing a, a pretty good job and I think Starling's doing a pretty good job. So, and as you say, like, I just think he's lost whatever magic he had created, whatever environment he had created, he seems to have lost that. And, you know, the the window the window is really closing for this group. Like, I, I sort of felt like this year, if he could get it right, would be the penultimate. Like, this would, this would be sort of the last crack at it. Um, and, you know, it, it obviously hasn't gone that way. And, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with it. I'm really struggling with it. I'm back, you know, I'm back to, I'm back to 10 years ago when the Raiders were, you know, they were, they were sitting like ninth or 10th every year and it was a win to just make the top eight. You know, Clinton Schifowski playing fullback and <laughs> Joel Monaghan and Alan Tung and Jason Croker. For, for at least what last five years, you'd say, they've at least been up and around there. Yeah. And it really kind of peaked going into, to, 2019 and 2020 and it's just when, when matt and i were picking our best 17s to start the year we had a lot of trouble with canberra's forward pack that was so good yeah we could have had two like nrl forward packs from who they had and that's just yeah they're just not lifting no and i, I yeah you know you you have to you i guess it's it's twofold you have to place some onus on the coaching group which Ricky Stewart obviously leads, you know, he's got his assistants and, and, and all of that. And I guess the, the, the football manager in the front office too. And then, you know, there has to be some onus on the players as well. Like, like, as you said, on paper, they are unbelievably good. Um, and, and history, you know, the, the last four or five years has shown us that, but for whatever reason, they get, they, they either get in front and then they get nervous and blow it or, they get behind early and then it gets worse and worse throughout the game. Like the last, you know, the, the Cowboys game is probably the best example where they're up 12 nil at half time and 12 nil after the first 20 minutes. And then, you know, it was almost like slowly and methodically just figured out ways to lose the game. I've heard about that Cowboys game ever since it happened. <laughs> Matt has not let me forget about it. And I mean, that was, that was the prime example I was going to bring up. Like that faders meme is, is was history until this year. Right. Yeah. And now it's kind of reared its ugly head. And it's, I mean, as, as much as you kind of want to put some of it on the players, they need that. But at times you just get over your boss, don't you? Like we've all worked jobs that we've enjoyed and then you kind of get your boss come in um, and they just don't, you, you're not enjoying it. And it's mm. hard to play when you're not enjoying it. And sometimes, like, sometimes you just, you know, you're just sick of hearing the same voice, you know, the same, you know, and, and uh, look, I, I don't know. I'm not in the, I'm not in the dressing room. I'm not in the meetings, but you know, you, you tend to see things as a coach sometimes through the same lens all the time. And mm. so if the feedback is really familiar to the players, you know, if the message that you're giving is always the same or, you know, some iteration of the same message, you know, if, if if all of that is familiar, similar to the players, it starts to lose its impact. And and we know with Ricky, he's very emotional. He gets angry pretty easily. You know, sometimes when a coach yells all the time, it, it has no impact anymore because you, that's just the expectation. He's like, oh, well, he's going to yell at me tonight. 
And, and I think we've seen that a little bit with the Tigers too. Like Madge McGuire just spraying everyone. Eventually you just get over being sprayed, don't you? Like yeah. And I mean, with Stewart, I think it's it's weird he's not getting any media scrutiny. Like I saw Fox just release their article of, of the top five coaches under pressure. He's not on there. How he is not on there, I have no idea. It's fa- it's fascinating, isn't it? It's It's almost, you know, because he is Ricky and he's coaching the Raiders. Because I think I think mm. if Ricky, you know, if Ricky was back coaching the Roosters, back coaching Parramatta, coaching basically any other team with this much talent, and and I think yeah, I think I think one he would probably already would have been gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably you're probably right. Yeah, but I think I think you're right. Like I think there would be much more media pressure and media scrutiny, and maybe maybe it is because it's Canberra, it's a small market, you know. Um, Canberra, Canberra people tend to be very passionate about their teams, regardless mm-hmm. of of how they're going, and almost support to a fault, um, which is what's happened here in Canberra a little bit. Like we're only now just starting to see the fans go, okay, it's probably time for for a new coach, a new view, mm-hmm. clean it out, let some of these guys go and and start again, which is also a hard thing to sell uh, to a playing group and a fan base. You know, how do you say to someone like Jack White and you know we're gonna let we're gonna let a bunch of these guys go and and try and rebuild. Yeah, and I mean a rebuild of rugby league never typically goes well, does it? No. Nah. There's normally a few attempts at it, and as you said, like Canberra's not exactly a tourist hotspot to bring <laughs> players in. Like players from the north of England were getting homesick in Canberra. Yeah, so it's no a, good. <laughs> you kind of have to start. Uh, I always think they need to need to embrace those country roots that they have yeah they need to be pulling guys out of the country and going they they have a great crop down there maybe try and steal some of the union boys like you don't have to get the best ones you just have to get some of the good ones yeah and you've seen i mean that's that's been a really successful model for for your team for for the panthers exactly a bunch of those guys came up you know from the semi west and and i can promise you guys who are playing rugby league out in in orange burke dubbo out there, you'll you'll be able to find some tough ones and some ones who love who love that grunt work, loved hitting it up through the middle, love making tackles. Like mm. you can build a team around those guys. If you have enough of them and you have some real talent, you can certainly build build a title contender. You know, as I say, you just have to look at what Penrith have done. Yeah, I mean, like, could you imagine it's like two degrees in August and you've got to go down to Canberra and get smacked <laughs> by these country boys? Like, I don't think anybody would be into it. Right, yeah, it's exactly right. And, you know, it's it's interesting historically when you look at our under-20 system or our, our junior pathway system, we have produced some good footballers, mm. but even they want out of Canberra. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? As soon as you get the taste of the sunshine, you're all your kids yeah, get out. Like but... every every second week they're playing in Manly or, you know, they're, they're, staying, they're staying at the Novotel in Coogee and they're like, yeah. man, wouldn't it be good just to live up here? I just keep waiting for that to happen to the Penrith boys. Like, we don't have to live out here. We can go live somewhere else. Like, but they seem to love the area, so I'll take that. Right. Yeah, I think and, – and I think, like, for, for – I guess for, you know, any NRL club looking at – I mean, the Storm are the 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 pinnacle. They're the, they're the best case, you know. I, I'd sort of liken them to, like, the San Antonio Spurs. They just – yeah, seem it's to, more of a system that just yeah, turned out. Yeah, and they just seem to have this knack for, you know, getting guys who are sort of on the precipice or on the on the verge of, of being factors in the NRL and turning them into really mm. good NRL players. 
Um, but, you know, Penrith is probably the best example of a recent rebuild where they've gone, like, let's invest. Let's invest heavily in our academy and junior pathways system and let's try and let's just see what happens if we bring a whole group of guys together, bring them through the ranks together, you know, have them play a lot of footy together and then let's unleash them in first grade together and just see what happens. And it's been yeah, very successful. They look like they have fun playing. That's the main thing too. Like Canberra, when they were playing well, like to bring it back is they, they look like they enjoyed their, like White and, and Williams looked like they were getting along. Um, Hodgson was having fun. It's just now they just seem to be out there. Like I know it was a game against Penrith last week, so you're going to be feeling it. <laughs> At the end of that 80, they just were not into it. Like they just. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Were you, you were at the game. Uh, I didn't go to the game, but oh, okay. I was at the Kings game, so I watched uh, uh, I watched yeah. it from the pub after, yeah. Yeah, but so one thing that I've noticed in, in going two games, and it's become, it's starting to get worse and worse, is that there there seems to be little pockets of, of players. So after the game, you know, you do the, sh- the handshaking thing. Yeah. And then they all kind of diverge into their little pockets of three or four players. And, and you know, I've seen, I've seen like Joe Tarpany and, Xavier Savage and Jordan Rapina in one corner and, you know, Joe Tarpany's really animated and heated. And then you look sort of down in another in another area and you've got another pocket of of players where 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 someone is heated. They just there seems to be this just disconnect bet- yeah. between between the group. And you know, obviously um winning solves a lot of those issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. And and ex- and when you're not winning, it exacerbates a lot of those issues. If you do have guys who don't who don't get along or don't have respect for each other or, or or don't have respect for the coaching group or the you know they feel like they're being disrespected by the coaching group or the front office, all of those problems become worse and worse and worse. And I think, I think what we are seeing is the result of a of a dysfunction somewhere in the Raiders organization. And and I think we've seen that through some of the things that are being leaked as well and now that's come down to the playing group and it's rearing its ugly head like uh, is there a group of all the all the angry wives on instagram is that a little group <laughs> down on the field too like it's i think i think the dysfunction is yeah it's really reared its head like i don't i don't know what it is there it's just i think the leaks in the media how close ricky stewart is with some of those guys and yep. some close stuff getting leaked and i think a lot of the players would remember like george williams leaving he kind of got a lot of lot of shit said about him as he was, yeah, as he was going door. out the door, yeah. And it was, and it's like that's probably hard. Like that's your mate, right? That's the guy you went to a grand final with, and mm. you're, you're hearing all this about him. Um, I think that's hard. Like, do you does, does it put you in a point where you don't trust your coach, you don't trust Verna, like? Mm. And and you know the 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 William stuff was interesting because, you know, post post everything that happened, you know, he said I literally asked for a day off, and then yeah, they told me you can just go home like <laughs> yeah and I, I really rated williams i thought he was great he, he was still in, he playing was, well over in england like yeah. he's he was very important and you know we've had issues in the seven jumper ever since yeah i and, know it's yeah. it's crazy and it's like i think i think players take that stuff personally too and yeah. then you see how ryan sutton kind of has gotten into it with sticky a bit like he he probably should have been in the round one team mm, and i feel I agree. like it was a personal thing that yeah. kept him out of it and it's like and now that they're losing, it's oh shit! You have to play Ryan Sutton. Yeah, and he was I, one of their best on the weekend. Yeah, and I and I think too, you know, we saw it with with Tarpany too last season, sort of back end of last season when his partner started putting some pressure on Ricky. You know, hmm. then Joe got Joe got um, well, 
it certainly seemed like Joe copped the brunt of that from Ricky. Yeah. And you know, you you can't you can't tell me that Joe Tarpany wouldn't be one of the first blokes you pick in a team. He, I, I, the only one before him in the forward pack would be Papali. Papali, hundred percent. I rate Tarpany so high, and it's like I think that having Ricky Stewart do that to him lit a fire under him. Yep. Okay. And he's been great this year. Yeah, to- totally agree. But you know, it's that th- it's that thing. You know, the when you do, I guess when you do have a, a close playing group, which we know in 2019 they were. Yeah. Um. You know, you do feel like you do feel like one of your brothers is being disrespected, and you know, maybe maybe that's that's the dysfunction, and that's where we've got to. And and maybe that's it, right? Maybe it's Ricky Stewart out, someone in, and then you kind of choose. Well, we like Savage, we like Tomoko. We want Tarpane, and then you kind of go, well, let's just build around this core and mm. see what kind of we can do around the fringes. And it might take a few years to get that reputation back up, but hopefully the guys are young enough where they're kind of peaking then, and then you can bring guys in. Yeah, and and you build, you know, you build that experience, and then, you know, hopefully you can bring in, you know, a, a couple of vets, bring in some mm. young, some young, exciting talent, and 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 I guess you know, there, there's your team, and I think what you said is important to identify. I think that's right. I, to be honest, I think the solve is like Ricky out. Like this season's a write-off for me anyway. Yeah. So let's let's now, like if I'm Don Ferner and I'm going, okay, how am I going to fix this? I think there's a, there's a transition period for Ricky out mm. and maybe it is over the season, but while we're doing that, we're transitioning someone else in. Yeah. Um, and we make that really clear and transparent to the players. And then we work with that coach on, you know, who who are the guys, who are the guys that we have here that we have to keep, that you absolutely 100% have to keep. Who are the guys you think you could do without? And then who are the guys in, you know, in, in reserve grade, in the under 20s and potentially off contract with other NRL clubs that we should be talking to and build that way? Yeah. I think so too. And I think the type of guy you target is going to be massive. Like you want to kind of target a no nonsense, hard work. Like they might not have the highest upside, mm. but they'll at least play. Like you look at the guys the Raiders have now, like between Rapana, Tarpane, White, and Adam Elliott, like there's some firecrackers on that team. And yeah. when things go bad, they go bad. And maybe you just want to get guys where it's like, you're going to turn up, you're going to do your 80, you're going to do your extras, you're going to be a good role model for Savage and Tomoko and Schneider. And get those guys, but then as you said, it's not going to be a great year this year. Mm. Play the young guys, have them out there, get the experience. And I think that's that's now that that's now got to be the focus. That's yeah. Let's get these young blokes ready to go, and let's build a team for them for next year around a new coach. Sorry, Ricky, I've supported you for a long time, but I think it's time. <laughs> and I think distance makes a heart go spot. Once he's gone, yeah, yeah, start reminiscing again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You, yeah, he, yeah, but it, I get it. Like I get it from the the front office. It's a really difficult decision to make because Ricky has been, you know, so important historically to the Raiders. So you almost want him to step away, which is which is probably might be how this is framed, right? He totally. might get to the end of the year, and the agreement is you say you're going away, you're not sacked, and then we just kind of yep. gives you another shot somewhere else if you want it. Yeah, and we and and you know we figure out as you you know we figure out whether there's a way to keep you involved, you know, in the mm. high performance unit somewhere away from, you know, the players, but, you know, part of the overall strategy or, you know, whether you want to go coach another, another team. 
But yeah, I it's, it's it's a horrendous job coaching the NRL, isn't it? Oh, it's it, just it's mate. I don't know why they do it. Yeah, and and you know the the it's re- it's a really interesting thing to think about, right? Like you know, most of these guys, I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot of these guys who are now coaching in the NRL were ex players, hmm. and you know most players are beloved by their even if they're hated by everyone else, they're pretty beloved by yeah. their own fan base. Then all of a sudden you become a coach and your worth is 100%, regardless of what you did as a player, it is now 100% connected to wins and losses. And 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 some players struggle with that because it's like, like you guys used to love me. Yeah, but you're a coach now and you suck or and the team sucks. Yeah. Yeah, we come 15, <laughs> two years in a row. They don't love you anymore. Like, I, I just, those ex-players, they must pay him a lot because someone like Trent Barrett, why would you bother? Oh. Had a great playing career. Could have done some media stuff. He must love it. Like yeah. he really must love it. Yeah. And it, but as you said, I I I don't know. You know, I, like I've coached rugby to a level, but under the being under the microscope like that, um, especially when you're having a bad season, is just it's no good. Yeah. Speaking of people from Canberra, <laughs> <laughs> Nick Kyrgios was in the uh, in the headlines this week for his. To, honestly, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was funny. I think he he talks about basketball so much and how he wa- he wants to play and, and whatever. I think if he had just gone to the NBL celebrity game and phoned it in, I think everyone would have railed on him anyway. Yeah, it's curious. He was going to cop it either way. <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of a no win. And so, you know, he's out there blocking shots from the Premier Stealing the ball from Miss World, <laughs> Miss World Australia. Yeah, that, put that on the resume, I think, right there. That's, uh, Pulling like up in to, transition. That's what it was. He's trying to impress her. He's- yeah, yeah, that's it. He's like, look at look at me, look at me. But but I think too, like when you look at the NBA celebrity game, which you know is it it actually is a really good event. Most of the people who play in that game can ball a little bit. They've played in they've yeah. played in high school or, you know, they're on social media, you know, ball that you know, that's part of their workout routine or whatever. They they hoop. You know, they like they had <laughs> the only athletes they had in this game were Jamie Soward, who I can't imagine is a particularly <laughs> good basketballer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can hold up curiosity to dunk it over that. <laughs> Uh, Nick, Nick Kyrgios, obviously, who is a world class athlete, and Anthony Mundine, who was a world class athlete, but and and probably still is, you know, in good shape, but you know, has been retired from from boxing for a while now, and and retired from from the NRL for even longer. You know, everyone else was like, you know, you had an you had some Instagram influencers, an actor that I'd never heard of, obviously the premier. I just, I just don't think that NBL did a very good job of picking no, I, the celebrities. I only knew, a, I only knew a handful of those people, and I was like, I think the premier is the like the biggest celebrity here, like, which, <laughs> yeah. which definitely says something. Uh, I think they they probably should have targeted actual athletes, as you said. Like, I know it's in Sydney, but surely some of the AFL boys get the Swans or the Giants fellas there. Like, yeah, I know there's that risk of of you know, but it's it's fun. They would have had a good time. Like, surely Kyrgios could have got Kokonakis or someone. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, and like I think it, I think it is a good concept, and and I think 
what I like about the NBL holistically now is that they are trying stuff. They're, mm. you know, they seem to be one. They're expanding. I know Larry Kesselman came out and said the league's profitable for the first time. You know, since he he was involved in 2015. So, you know, the the and and the basketball product is good. You know, I, I certainly in, have enjoyed this season's product more than than I have years gone by. So I, I like that they're trying stuff, but yeah, just. Be better. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I mean, as you said, the, the NBL itself is great. The celebrity game, less so. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you're going to do that, have an all-star weekend. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that would be great. Um, I do feel bad for the NBL this year. The the playoffs kind of match with all the 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 AFL and, and NRL yeah. this year. Yeah. So that's not ideal for them. Obviously, COVID pushed them back. Yeah. But I mean, this year's been fantastic. Like the amount the amount of talent in the league in the last three years. Like I remember going. Like when I was a like early teenager, and it was it was Horrendous. pretty bad. Like it was <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Like it was bad for Australian basketball kind of thing. And they yeah. they found their they found their niche here. And I was I was talking to a friend that I went to the last Kings game with, and we're just saying the NBL seems so comfortable and yeah. aware. Yeah, it kind of it, it's it has no illusions of what it is anymore. It knows we're just gonna get some good guys in. If they come in, if we get LaMelo Ball for a year, awesome. Yep. He can go away. That's fine. Like They used to kind of be like, no, we want to be a proper league. Not saying they're not a proper league, but yeah. now, they now know exactly what they are and you can only you can only improve once you're comfortable there. Yeah, and they're, as you say, they're really comfortable with the fact that, you know, if a guy doesn't want to go to college and he's a top 100 prospect, he might come and play in the league for a year and they've actually built in a mechanism to do that where the player gets looked after and the club doesn't have to fork out a ton of money to to get that to happen. Yeah. And then they they also understand that if that player gets drafted, you know that's that's seen as a really positive thing for the league. You know, um, you know, there's I think there's four or five guys from the league this year who are projected to to go somewhere in the draft, um, which is massive. Totally. And and you know, a, a guy like Kai Soto coming, you know, was originally going to play for Team Ignite in the G League and his age, whatever, and, and so he's come he's come out here. So for a player of that profile to come to recognize that there's a pathway is, is really is, is huge. I can't believe he won the fa- the fans MVP. <laughs> yeah. I, <know. laughs> like, I mean yeah. I was kind of shocked and then I thought more about it and I was like, I kind of like that award, but you could only have that award two or three years before you start getting some really like meme selections. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because people start galvanizing. Like, like let's let's vote for. So, <laughs> I, I have a friend who used to play in the in the NBL years ago, and his claim to so you see he used to play for the Hawks. Dan Dan Jackson, if you're listening, shouts to you. But his his claim to fame is he came second in Rookie of the Year voting two years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah, and, and I mean that—that's kind of I kind of miss those days of the NBL, like yeah. probably back in the Razorbacks days when they're yeah, playing yeah. out of school gyms and stuff like yeah. that. Was, it's nostalgic for that time, but I mean, as you said, like the four guys in this in this class that could get drafted, and I think we'll see the dividends of that in ten, fifteen years when these guys are at the end of their career, and it's like they're they're in the ear of guys going, "Hey, you know what was really what was really good time." playing in australia yeah it's good weather it's pretty chill like the people are for the most part pretty nice and it's like (laughs) um it's just a good time and i think we'll start we might start to see that come across like i think we'll see the old guard of australians like patty mills joe ingles come and play but then it's do we get lamella more ball does he come back 
yeah. to do an yeah. encore year, right? Yeah. Like that stuff would be really cool. Yeah, and I think like I I truly think those guys you mentioned, those Australian guys who have been successful in the league, you know, I think yes, they might come, but you know, we're seeing it with Delhi at the moment come back for for a couple of seasons at the end, but then I think you know they go the Bogut route and get involved as owners or coaches mm. or or in the league office, which again uplifts the product because you have all of these high profile people working within the sport, not just yeah. as players and 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 um, coaches, but as administrators, you know, as as ambassadors and advocates for the sport. You know, imagine imagine you know going into a a, a federal government meeting uh, for some some funding for a new stadium or whatever, and you know it's Patty Mills and Joe Ingles and Matt Delavadova sitting there doing the negotiation. They're all, they're like, all wearing their bronze as well. <laughs> yeah, so they've all got their bronze medal. <laughs> yeah. Patty's got Patty's got his championship. He's got the yeah. championship trophy with him. Like, <laughs> I like that. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like, it just raises the profile, right? Like, Australian basketball's finally like we've we've got a few Australian draft prospects here, not just Americans who've yeah. come over and played. Yeah, and like Dyson Daniels is one guy who's been over there in the G League, um, and we we could really see teams ha- each team kind of have an Aussie that kind of representation. Yeah, I've always wanted to write an article about like the it, like every american sports team needs a crazy australian yeah <laughs> they're, they're, i think the nfl figured this out with punters. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Finally worked it out. <laughs> um yeah because i like i i remember looking at it and i was like well like there's all these kind of there's all of these across american sports there's all of these teams who've won championships who just had you know, some of them played big roles, like obviously Patty and, and Luke Longley back with the Bulls, like they played big roles. Mm. But then you've got, you know, in NFL teams and baseball teams, like these obscure Australian dudes who, you know, maybe saw action in one inning or, or you know, a punter, and they're all part of championship teams. So I've, I've always wanted to deep dive into that. So thanks for reminding I, me. I think that's a good shout. I mean, you've even, speaking of Luke Longley, you've got his 21st century equivalent in Andrew Bogut. Yes. For the Warriors too, big part True, of their, yes, yes. Big part of their run. And I mean, I feel like the crazy Aussie does more for the off-the-field morale than it does for the on-field stuff. And yeah. that's, I don't think that can be understated. I mean, even in the last dance, even though they didn't talk to Luke, they mentioned him a lot and kind of said he was, he was always pretty like calm and it was unlocking his aggression and motivation that really pushed them over the top. Yeah. And I think we get it. Like Australians get like, you want to win a championship, you've got to be a a tight unit. You've got to be a tight team. Mm. And so, you know, you can see Utah really battling without Joe Ingalls right now, you know, and you can see the impact, you know, we'll get into the, to this in a second with the nets, but you can see the impact that Patty has had. Um, you know, with his own, with it, with his on court stuff, but also his off court stuff. You know, Matisse Thibel, you know the the Sixers look shaky without him. So I think I think there's a like, I think we just get the team environment, and you know, I played on a I played played a lot of football in teams. Um, you know, with with a lot, with foreigners, foreigners, or where I was the foreigner as an Australian, <laughs> yeah. and you know, still foreign to us, <laughs> yeah, foreign to foreign to me. Speaking yeah. a weird language, but you know, I, like I often found myself in this role of like, you know, breaking the barriers between the groups in the team, being the guy that's you know, getting everyone to the pub, getting everyone to have mm. beers and and meals together, and hosting the barbecues and and that sort of thing. So I, I just think Australians get it, um, which is why I highly recommend having one on your team. 
Exactly. Even if they're not that good, chuck them on there and Australians will watch. <laughs> yeah. Like Australians will watch, but I, I do agree. I think Australians get it. I, like most Australians I know have played a team sport since you're four, right? Yep. Like at least some, some version of that. And yeah. And you just grow up always being part of it. And it's always emphasized to us too. Like you'd rather the team win than, than you be a star and lose. And I mean, I feel like that's why Ben Simmons is so polarizing to so many Australians, right? Like, Oh, Man, it's just, it's such a sad story. Yeah, we like let well, let's dive into it. You know the the Boston Nets series. Yeah, yeah. And and obviously this the story, and we'll talk about Boston in a sec. The story is the Nets and and how they've collapsed. And you know I think, you know the I think the Ben Simmons part shouldn't be underplayed. Like I know there's all this talk about you know, Kyrie being a distraction throughout the year. And I think I think they only played, you know, 33 or 36 games, Kyrie and KD together. You know, there's been talk about KD underperforming, but I don't think, I don't think you can underplay how big a distraction Ben Simmons has been, you know, particularly because he identified, well, his, his camp, the Nets said, yeah, he's going to play game four. Obviously thinking they'd be at least in a position to, to compete, and then the day before, he's like, "Now nah, my my back sore." Yeah, and I mean, I I hundred percent feel they traded for him to play the playoffs. Yeah, agree. They, they, I I I have no doubt. Rich Paul was saying to them, "He'll play if you trade yep. for him." Yeah, and I saw a report the other day saying they weren't too happy with that, mm. and I've had a meeting with them saying, "Like we we drafted we we traded for you to to play and help us. We need you. Like mm. we got rid of James Harden for you." Mm. Um, and I mean, it's just been, yeah, as you said, like game four, I, I, I didn't believe any of those reports as no. an Australian, you feel pretty burned by Ben Simmons a few times <laughs> now. Like it's just crazy. Like it's, he'll be back for, he'll be back 10 games for the playoffs or he'll back game one or game three or no game four. And it's like, I don't think the Nets put him in a good position to try and bring him back mid series. Like yeah, he's exactly. not the guy you want coming in, even if you're like two all down, I just, yeah, as you said, it's just sad. Like, like every Australian was so proud of Ben, and just he was such a buzz when he got drafted and when he was playing well. And it's like it's we turned on him so quick, but we've given him so many chances as well. Yeah, and I don't I, like I don't think that can be understated either. You know, the like we really, and I think still people the sentiment in Australia is we're like we want Ben to be successful, but he's just not doing himself any favors. And you know, I know, I know a couple of people who had coached him previously as a, as a kid sort of through the NBA global Academy and, and in that setup in, in Canberra. Cause when you live in Canberra, you fucking know everyone. Um, and you know, the, I guess the, the sentiment largely is that he, you know, he's, he's pretty selfish, but he's also very content with his game and is happy to just for his game to be his game. And he doesn't really want to work on, doesn't really want to work on anything else. So, you know, like I I don't expect him to have a jump shot, but like just chuck a couple up, you know, like it, it's just, there's just all these examples of him pushing back against direction, pushing back against fans. And then obviously the, the huge fuck you to the, to the 76ers and the 76ers probably didn't handle that the right way either, but yeah, you know, that's happened. And now he's kind of done the same thing to the nets where, they were under pressure and they really needed him. Like, it, like he couldn't, he didn't even sit on the bench for game four. No, he couldn't handle it. And it's like, I don't know how you get to that level and not 
have that mental fortitude to be able to do that. Yeah. Like it's really not a good sign for the rest of your career, right? Like if you have one bad playoff series and it's like, oh, I'm I'm absolutely shaken. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And it's he's got all the physical tools. If you put Paddy Mills mentality in Ben Simmons, he'd be an MVP. Totally. Like, and it's and that that's what's the hardest to see. Like historically Aussies haven't always been the most physically gifted in the NBA. Like obviously the big fellas like Luke and, and Bogut, but Normally we're like smaller guards, right? Like mm. Paddy or, or Jingles is pretty big or even like Shane Hill. Mm. But it's like now we finally had a guy. He's like a 6'10 perimeter player. Like he could be the star of a team. He could be an MVP. And it's like, oh, he just doesn't actually care. <laughs> like it's just so, like I, I, I can't fathom watching him being 6'10, being as good as he is and him not being like, I want to do this. Like, I want to be the I best wanna... that's ever yeah. played this game. Like that's, yeah. That's, yeah. And, and yeah, like... I, I've made I've made this comparison before, and I want to I just want to preface this by saying that Ben Simmons is not Giannis, he's not. But if you look at Ben and you look at Giannis in terms of what they were when they got to the league, and the level of talent they had and the physical gifts they had or have, fairly similar. The difference is to me that Giannis was comfortable looking silly for a while. Yeah. He knew he was going to miss jump shots and airball some stuff. He knew he was going to miss free throws, but still took them, still shot them and was prepared to work on them, not just behind closed doors, but in games and, and was provided an environment that allowed him to do that. Ben, on the other hand, you know, he like he was he was part of the process, right? So he had the perfect environment initially, and just it just doesn't seem like he was comfortable looking silly for a while. Yeah, and I mean, you Giannis is the perfect kind of parallel for him. Like he still pulls up for three and yeah. air balls, yeah. and then he just he has he has the memory of a goldfish because you'll come down next possession, do the same again, and he'll hit it. Yep. And and it's kind of like that. That's what you like. That's what these elite guys need, right? Like, you don't want them to remember their misses. Ben Simmons seems to remember every miss he's ever made. Mm. Whereas, like, these great, like, these goats, they they just remember hitting the shot, right? Like, if you ask Jordan or you ask, like, Giannis or Kobe, they'll tell you, I've never actually missed a shot. Like, it just, it was a bad pass. Yeah. Like, they've never, like, yeah. it's, they, they've, they hit everything and they just go for it. And, you know, that, that Kobe quote that gets around on social media from time to time where he's like, well, you know, if the first one misses and the second one better go in and... But, you know, if the second one doesn't go in, then the third one better go in. And the third one doesn't go yeah. in, then the fourth one's going in. And fourth one, fifth, like, and he just rattles off. He's like, that's how I think about it. Like, yeah, if they go in, you know, I expect every shot to go in. If they don't, well, the next one is. Yeah, that, that's my one miss of the night done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, it's, 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 and it's, uh, yeah, it's sad. And, and obviously the, the mental health stuff is it, like if, and this is a hard thing. Like, it's really hard to know what's true and what's not. So a herniated disc is a is a really bad injury. So if that's the case, if that's true, you know, do what you got to do, look after your body. And then the mental health stuff, you obviously don't want to underplay that, but you know how like how do you sit out an entire season because of mental health issues when you got what you wanted? Yeah, I the, the mental health thing I'm I'm sympathetic for when it's like if it's true and I'm not saying it's not true with Ben, it's like but it's only to an extent of when you want to help yourself. Exactly. Like, how are we? Like, if if you have an issue, like Kevin Love broke down a lot of barriers a couple of years ago with his 
with his stuff on mental health. And, and that was massive. And that was someone who you like, Kevin Love, you're like, how do you have a bad life? You're 6'10", you're good looking, <laughs> you make hundreds of millions of dollars, you got a championship, your wife is a smoke show. Like, how are you unhappy? And like, he broke down. And I'm sitting here guys. in Western Sydney. Yeah, exactly, mate. I'll, t- I'll take your life. We'll swap. Don't, don't stress. Um, but I mean, he, I feel like he broke down a lot of doors in saying that even though we're good. And it's like he talked about when LeBron was there, mm. the pressure, how hard it was. And it was, wasn't was stuff he was used to. And it's like, but he actively went to go get help. And he seems to have helped himself. And now he's playing with this young Cavs team that love him. Yeah. He's playing great. He's doing yeah. fantastic. And it's like, Ben Simmons will help you and will stick by you, but you have to kind of help yourself as well. Yeah, and you know the the not being transparent with the, with the Sixers, mm. you know, not not seeing their therapist and then or their you know mental health professional, seeing his own mental health professional, but then not allowing that person to share to share the information with the the Sixers. You know, th- there's just it yeah. seems to be a lot of smoke and mirrors, and then you know you you then factor in. I, I certainly believe that when Rich Paul, when the the Nets called Rich Paul and said, what's what's the deal? Give us the skinny, like, be brutally honest with you. I suspect he said, Ben will be ready, you know, in a month. He just needs some time to ramp up to full basketball activities and, and get, his, get his head right. He'll be ready just before the playoffs or, you know, a, a, a month or so before the playoffs. And if not, he will definitely be available Game one, round one, play in game, whatever. And yeah, that, that hasn't happened. And from my perspective, I really wouldn't be surprised if the Nets tried to offload him. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And I think a lot of people would be surprised at that. But I think they have championship aspirations and yeah. they have enough head noise going on in that locker room without Ben. And I think <laughs> that's almost the, that would have been the perfect cover for him, right? Like yeah. as crazy as he is, he's not going to out crazy Kyrie. No Durant's way. Good. Durant's good for a few quotes here and there. And it's, I know t- Matt and I touched on it on our show, but Kyrie coming out saying there was obstacles in their way. It's like, yeah, bro. I, w- yeah. I wonder what the obstacle <laughs> yeah, was. You. Like, <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, it was. I, like, I mean, he, he could have hidden in the background there a little bit too. Yeah. I mean, and, and, I don't and, sound and like it. He could, he could have used Kyrie to his advantage. Like in the press conferences, they ask Ben a, a difficult question. He's like, hey, Kyrie, tell him, what do you think about the earth? Tell him you think it's flat. Yeah, yeah like, like that thing you were telling me today. To just, just tell these guys that. Like yeah. He could have done that. And I mean, Ben seems to be like a guy people like. Yeah. Like it's weird. He seem, he does seem like that kind of diva-ish superstar. But from all reports, people do like him. Like as much as Joel didn't get along with him at the end there. They always seem friendly, like Jimmy Butler. Jimmy like Butler, Simmons, yeah. Who is a notoriously hard guy to hang out with. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is weird because I feel like there there is that there still with him. Mm. Yeah, he 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 does he does carry himself in a way that, you know, there, there was that report oh he's carrying himself like Michael Jordan and that, and that you know, so that's how he comes across. But he even when he speaks in interviews, he does have this kind of genuine, endearing way about mm. him which which is obviously attractive to to other players and media members but yeah it, it, it's like this oxymoron this it's like he's having this internal battle all the time between you know am i a superstar or am i a role player and like i'm not even convinced he likes basketball yeah neither honestly i've had this thought too like and it's it's weird like it does he just play because he's really good at it? Yeah. Like, does he just kind of play and he likes being famous? I think that's what it is. Like, I think 
he enjoys it and yeah he enjoys the status I mean, and profile but but not necessarily I mean, you'd have the to work. have some love you'd have to have some love for it maybe that's what he needs to to like refine mm. right maybe he need maybe if he is offloaded by the nets and kind of goes to a decent system or a system that's going to cater everything for him and mm. he can start to enjoy it again but it's like who takes a pun on him now with that contract right like it's a bit it's a lot of money yeah you know, it's you, not... you could definitely get some value for him yeah. now, especially he's probably at his all-time low. Yeah. But it's do you trust yourself as an organization to to pull it off? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you know, it's not it's not quite a Westbrook level bad contract, but it's a it's a lot of money to pay someone who, depending on the environment, may just decide he doesn't want to play. Well, maybe if you're tanking, that's who you want, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. You want a superstar who's not going to play. Like, the, the, someone... Well, honestly, the Knicks will probably trade for him. Yeah, man, if he thinks media's... I mean, he's been, he's been in some bad media markets already in Philadelphia and Brooklyn. But the Philly the fans would are just brutal. Be, Knicks would be like, next level. The Knicks, Knicks would be next level. And I mean, they... I don't know. I, I don't trust that organization to do the right thing, right? You could just imagine them fucking that up. Yeah. Yeah, we'll give you... Barrett, Randall, and six first-round picks for Simmons. <laughs> yeah, I know. Simmons and Andre Drummond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what end up with. It would just be, just be tough. But, I mean, the thing with Benny is as soon as he plays for the Boomers and if he plays and plays well, I think a lot of Aussies would forgive him. Totally. So, you know, oh, God, yeah. imagine, imagine if he had played at, at the Olympics. You know, we won bronze. And, and look, I don't, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a basketball coach, you know. I don't know if he if he changes the way that that, that you'd have to play a little bit because he's got that sort of unique skill set. But hmm. it's not inconceivable to think that having he, him, you know, a healthy Ben Simmons, vaults the Boomers into the gold medal game. Oh, for sure, I think so too. And he's, I think he's weirdly adaptable to the FIBA game. Yeah, because I think you could almost play him as a set if you had like a shooting big, which Australia's got plenty of, yep. like a Jock Landau at center, him yep. at power forward, play him as a guard on defense and as a big man on offense. That's what I would yep. use him for. Yeah, and, and, and then, I think and let him create from the post. So he's got exactly. Mills and yeah, and Delhi and Thibel who can all who can all shoot that FIBA three point plus. Kind of just put four yeah. shooters around him and, and yeah. his perimeter defense is great. And then on the offensive end, yeah, he just screen and rolls come out of the post can kind of cut towards the basket. I think we definitely would have had a shot mm. for that gold medal game, but it, it was nice to win without him. Cause it felt like we didn't need him. Yeah. And I feel like if, if we had gone to bronze with him, that just gives him more ammo when he pulls out of the next tournament. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, as you say, I think if he, if he plays in the next one, especially if we do well again, then I think we forgive him. But if he burns us again, he's probably dead to us. Yeah, I know. He's probably only got one more, but you can only do him. And he's been doing him since he's 17. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's still holding out hope that he'll play for, for the US. I mean, I don't think they'd take him either. Would no. they? Like, no. <laughs> why would they? I, I know. I mean, I think it's kind of hilarious when someone told me we get a non-shooting small forward from Philadelphia. I didn't realize it'd be Matisse Thibel. Like... <laughs> Uh, but look, I, I think, you know, I think we should talk about the Celtics because what they were able to do to Kyrie and KD in particular and just completely, I mean, they swept them for start, but just completely negate any 
any effectiveness that those two guys had purely with their defense, like I think it's incredible, personally. Yeah, it, it is. Like this was the series I would have picked last to be a sweep. Yeah, I, th- I thought it for was, sure it was going seven games. So did I. I thought this was going to be the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. was it was nothing. Like it didn't help that I think Steve Nash was a bit out of his depth. Mm. There weren't a lot of adjustments. It was a lot of, hey, KD, can you get us out of this? Mm. And it was, he just couldn't. Mm. He just couldn't. And and the thing that I, I wasn't always on the Celtics, even when they're going through this run, I just, I always like to see more than three months of it. Yeah. I always want to see, like, if you can put a year together, I can believe it. Yep. But this, this has really turned it for me with them. They just were, they weren't scared. Yeah. And I mean, the coach, Yudoka, said that basically in the press conference after, he goes, we're a basketball team, not a track team. We don't run from anyone, which I thought was like, <laughs> it was actually an all-time quote, yeah. actually. I, I yeah. really liked it. And and they, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, like, would just, come on, KD, my turn. Like, they were kind of like mm. getting in each other's way to try and guard KD. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's really cool to see a team where the stars value defense and love defense. You know, you know, there there are stars in the league who are good two way players. You know, LeBron is one of the best defenders when he's when he's engaged and interested on defense. You know, Giannis is a fantastic defensive player as well. But to see three guys, your three most high high, high profile guys, all value defense, and then have someone like Al Horford out there who's a good defender, you know, ultimate teammate, great rebounder, like. It's really cool to see that and to see that they've bought into to you know system. You know, switching everything. Yeah. Like then, as you said, Marcus Smart doesn't care who he guards, and he yeah, seems he, he he just seems to have this ability to make big plays when like the, these big momentum swing plays. He he does, and like I I hate Marcus Smart as, as <laughs> someone who who doesn't go for the Celtics. I hate Marcus Smart, but I also really really respect him. Like yeah. him and Draymond Green are just on that level where it's like you hate them, but you just, you can't deny what they do. And with Marcus Smart, like, I don't think he ever hits a three unless it's to go in front in the playoffs. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's crazy. Absolutely incredible. Every time it's, he shoots one, I'm like, don't shoot that. <laughs> yeah. It's always the, it's the worst ones. Like, like he's like a no, no, yeah guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> like we'll take that. And, and just like him having free reign, like Yudoka's really done well for him. Where he's like, he's been able to convince him to not shoot. Yeah, and be like, look, you are the point guard. Yeah, we know you're big. We know you like to try and score, facilitate. And he's like, if you facilitate for me, you can go after him all on defense. Yeah, go yeah. for it. And he just lets him run loose. Like it's it's beautiful to watch sometimes those guys defending together. Yeah, and what I love too, you know, you met the the not scared mentality. Like they they went to the rack a lot. They weren't scared mm. to drive. They weren't scared to draw contact, knowing that they can drive and kick. You know, to basically anyone on the floor. And, you know, I, I saw this stat the other day. So since since January, January 1st, so the, the 2022 Celtics, if you want to, if you want to do that, <laughs> they, they've, they've had a 12-point, their, their points differential is 12 points because of how good their, de- their defense is. So they're in, a, they're in a category with the, the 98 Bulls, the 96 Bulls, and the, the, 2016 Warriors or 2017 Warriors, the 73 and nine Warriors. So they're like they're in rarefied air in terms of how. That's, yeah, yeah, that's incredible. And they, they, the crazy thing is they don't always look like it. No, they don't like those teams that you watched and like watching, watching the Warriors live when they went on that run. They looked dominant. 
they mm. looked like they could just get and and kind of like the LeBron Heat. They just mm. got what they wanted whenever they wanted it. Yep. Like Boston don't seem to always look like that, but then you kind of realize shit. They're up twenty on the Nets. Yeah. Well, like, and they just, just they just do it so methodically, and then you yeah. look at this, and you and I think because it's so entertaining, you're not super. Yeah. I, I find myself anyway. I'm not super engaged with the score, and then I look down, and I'm like, fuck, they're up twenty. How did that yeah, happen? That's, yeah, it's exactly it, and it's like Jay. Oh, it's like all of a sudden Jason Tatum's got like twenty seven. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I've only seen him hit two threes. Like, what's yeah? Because he just goes to the rack and does it. They're not loud. Mm. They just they score. They turn around. They lock up. And I think you could you can actually put on the other side of the bracket. You know, the Suns obviously got their got their ticket to round two today. But I think they're in that category too, where they are so, they they play with such surgical precision. They're so methodical. They almost. Bore is not the right word, but they they execute teams into submission. Just grind you down yeah. to a dust, don't yeah. they? Yeah, and I think they, they, that's a great analogy for for Boston. I think that those two are perfect. That, that would be an amazing final series. Well, Might yeah. not always be the most entertaining, but yeah, I, I, I yeah, I just think like, and you've got you've almost got you know a. a like a d- different different styles, I guess, or you've got stars in in slightly different positions. So you know, you've on the Suns, you've got Paul Paul at the one, Booker at the two, and Aiton Aiton as the big man, and then you know, obviously Michael Bridges and 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 or the myriad of other role players who can who can hit yeah. shots and and create. But then with the with the Celts, you know, you've got um, Tatum Tatum and Brown as as sort of the the linchpin. So and so they're sort of, you know, they're, I guess, different styles of basketball, but the execution is the way that they beat you. So I, I agree. I don't think it, it'll be super entertaining, but I think it'll be really, like, I think it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it's going to be a basketball series yeah. for basketball fans. Yeah. Like, it'll be got people who really know what they're looking for will really, like, the casual might not look at it. They'll be like, oh, why are they not taking more threes? Why are they mm. not doing this, not doing that? It's like, but I think it'll be the people that know what they're doing will know they're doing it well. And it's like, I, I just can't believe the Suns almost lost to the Pellies. Like, yeah. And I think that I think they're just so well drilled and they're such a machine. It was just, the Pellies were like an oily rag. Mm. Just, slipped, just slipped into the gears there. They just like, Jose Alvarado just, just being annoying. Does. Just being <laughs> annoying. Like, I just think they weren't like, do you know how sometimes you get, they just were flustered. Yeah. And I think it was a yeah. team doing the opposite of what they thought was going to happen. Yeah. And, and they just couldn't get into their sets. And they kind of like Ingram, they kind of just unleashed Ingram. They're like, go get him. Like, go Bulldog. Like, yeah. do your thing. And, you know, like McCollum, McCollum was good, but he he wasn't really a factor in, I think it was game three that they won. Like, so, you know, like that, that Pels team is, is fascinating to me because like, how do you fit Zion in now? I know I'm all in on Zion. I don't know what it is. I woke up, I woke up the other morning. I think I saw a Zion post, and I went, "I'm all in." That's just this is some intuition about it. I think he's going to be amazing when he like the injuries. I'm not too worried about. Like Joel Embiid had a worse history at this time. Yeah, and like look how good Joel is. Yeah, and I think Zion has a higher pedigree than what Joel like did at the same age. I mean, he like he's the most ridiculous athlete I've ever seen. He's it, six foot eight or six possible. foot nine, two hundred and eighty pounds or two hundred and seventy pounds, which I think is like one hundred and forty kilos somewhere there, one hundred one hundred and thirty yeah. kilos. Like, you know, he like he's he's enormous. He would make Josh Papali like Papali look small. <laughs> like people don't you don't realize it because yeah. he stands yeah. with other basketballers. But it's like if 
he is just a giant man that should not be and he jumps so effortlessly like it doesn't look natural and i think just put him in a larry nance role kind of yeah. small ball five just run um, run the rim right rim yeah, to rim I, yeah yeah i don't know how how long Jonas valentunas is for that team mm. i think he kind of doesn't really click with zion i mean now would be the time to trade him wouldn't it like what, what you're getting out of him is fantastic this is the highest he's gonna he's gonna go yeah, I feel like um, if, I, if I'm if I'm um, what's his name David Griffin, the, the GM. Yeah, I'm on the phone now. Like, hey, who yeah. who wants this dude? Yeah, especially if you're confident Zion will come back. And I mean, everyone worrying about like Zion wanting to leave. Like, he's gonna take the contract, right? They take the supermax. He can get the five years. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, yeah, he's gonna do it. And then you can't. David Griffin has to trust himself to know that he can put a team around Zion. And why wouldn't he? He's done it already. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't tell me Zion's yeah. not looking at this team going, if I was there, we could beat the Suns. Yeah, and you know, like he, CJ McCollum's a is a great teammate for Zion and for and for Ingram because he's played with Dame. So he knows mm. he knows how to play off the ball. He knows how to facilitate, get his teammates involved. And he kind of picks his spots really well when to when to when to take over. And he takes over for a couple of minutes and he's like, All right, let's get Zion, let's get let's get um Ingram back involved. Like I think he's he is the perfect teammate for a guy like Zion. He can get him, so too, yeah, yeah, get him the ball in the right spots and and just let him go to work. And they don't operate in the same space. Yeah, and same with him and Ingram as well. Like Ingram and Zion do a little bit at times. I think Ingram could work on that. I think regardless of Zion, Ingram should probably work on that anyway to kind of round out his game. Yeah, but McCollum doesn't work in the same space that the other two do. He can do his own thing. And let the young boys go do what they do, and he'll still get his shots. He might he won't put up the same stats, but he'll he'll be more efficient. Um, and it's going to be hard to guard all three guys, right? Yeah, t- yeah, totally. And you know, Zion's knows, you know, he's not elite from three, but he can he can hit them from time to time too. Yeah. So you have to shoot him, which is yeah. which is what we're saying before you need just at least put him up, mate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So before I let you go, who who's who's coming out of the east? Who's coming out of the west? Who do you think? I think it's that that matchup we talked about. I think yeah. the Celtics get out. I think Giannis is going to be a big test for them. Yep. But I think this is their conference finals. Yep. I, like, I, as good as I think Miami are, and I think Miami will probably beat Philly. Yep. Um, as good as Miami are, I think if they can slay Kevin Durant and Giannis back to back, Jimmy Butler and those boys are just yeah. I think it. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be and and then you know then we we get that matchup we want and I, I agree with you. I think. I think whoever wins out of um, Milwaukee and Boston will yeah. make the finals in the in the East. And yeah. you know, I know that uh, the Suns sputtered a little bit against the Pels, and and you know maybe we can chalk some of that up to them just sort of being really unpredictable. And and I think you know you saw today in particular that the Suns finally adjusted to that. I mean, it it helps that Chris Paul went fourteen for fourteen and. And thirty three points, yes. um, but I think I, I like I like I, I just don't see anyone. You know, I think that I think the Warriors could challenge them if they make it, if they get there. Um, but I just don't see anyone toppling them, to be honest. I don't. When the Suns are on, which they are now, and I think that's what it is. I think they needed this kind of punch in the mouth yeah. to wake up, and now they're up and they go, okay, there are there aren't going to be easy series. That was supposed to be the easy one. Yep. And like whoever they have next, I do feel sorry for. Yeah. P- um, pissed I, off Chris Paul. Yeah, is not the guy you want. <laughs> and I mean as much as I like Luca and kind of want him to go for 45 and drag the Mavs with him, mm. 
coming up against the buzzsaw that is Golden State and the yeah. Suns is going to be tough. tough. I mean, as, as you said, the Warriors are definitely a contender. I think there's too many variables there, whereas the Suns have been doing this for a year, two yep. years now, really. And yeah, I don't think you really want it as much as you do after you lose one. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, they've got there's the Booker's out at the moment, so they've got Booker to come back in. You know, the 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 Warriors at the moment, you know, the the Jordan Poole stuff is awesome, but you know, is is that sustainable for them for them, you know, throughout the entire playoffs? And, you know, what is what does it look like if he cools off and, you know, Steph has a has a couple of rough shooting nights. You know, you as you say, there's lots of variables, there's lots of things that can that can go wrong with that Warriors team. Whereas the the Suns are this just methodical precision beast. They're they, just low. They're yeah. just kind of low impact, aren't they? That's yeah. just what they are. They're like, like the the Warriors are one Draymond injury away from really being in trouble. Yeah. Like if he if he pulls a hammy or a quad and he's gone for he's gone for two weeks, that's them probably done. Yeah, that's it. We've seen how they played without him. Yeah. 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 All right, fifth and dribble podcast. You can catch them on the Cover Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays are NBA takes. Thursdays are NRL takes. Locke, it was awesome to have you on. Thank you very much. I hope to do it again soon. Same here, mate. It was great coming on. Thanks, mate. Thank you, Locke. I already plugged your podcast, so I'm not going to do it again. (laughs) But thank you very much. I enjoyed that chat a lot. You're always welcome back on here. Hopefully I get to do it on the Fifth and Dribble podcast at some point myself. Thank you to the listeners. Once again, thank you to the Cover Podcast Network, thecover.com.au. Make sure you head to the website, download some stuff, read some stuff, send us an email, comment on our stuff. We're always happy to ask questions. We're always happy to engage with the fans. Always happy to engage with the readers. Um, Got some more guests coming up. Got another guest next week. Lydia Williams is going to check back in, so make sure you stick around for that. Some Irish rugby guys, which could be interesting over the next few weeks. So make sure you check back in. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel now. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Covers newsletter. That is your one-stop shop for all things happening on the cover. Apparently, we're working on a guide for the upcoming federal election. So keep your eyes peeled for that. That'll be sent out ASAP. Other than that, enjoy the week. And you'll be hearing my dulcet tones, my monotonous voice again in about a week's time. Thank you. I'll see you in a week.